Good morning. Wow. Mm, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Wow, so happy New Year's. Wow, it is 2019. I'm still not used to that. Like, I, I still struggle to write 2019. Like, it'll probably be by the end of 2019 that I'm actually writing that on, on documents and checks and things like that. But man, it was, it was a good year. We reflected last week on this, and I'd like to reflect again uh, just about how great uh, it was in 2019. You know, we, we celebrated a lot of things. You know, we went through a lot of change, and we, were, we looked uh, into uh, the past and, and looked at different wounds from the church. And like we talked about last week, God applied balm and salve to those wounds. We brought those wounds to light and we began to heal and we're continuing to heal. Healing is a process and so uh, we are continuing to heal from those wounds. But it was a great year because we uh, realized that. We made some changes. You know, we did things, you know, uh, and, and we celebrate that. And the, some of those changes are, you know, we, we had some of the, the greatest uh, attended events here ever at the church. You know, we had our typical, you know, back to school uh, with ice cream social, which we were all surprised when over 250 people showed up. And we were concerned, how in the world are we going to get that many people uh, in and out of the fellowship hall? And will we run out of ice cream? And then in the fall, we had Community Fall Carnival. And we reached out to the community and, and we had over 600 people show up on this campus. And that's the more, most, most uh, people ever on this campus at one time. And that was huge. And we celebrate that. And I believe if we continue to, to, to make change and, and we begin to see those response, then... Um, people will start to show up even more. God has done some great things. And here we are, 2019. I'm excited about 2019 because God is still doing great things. See, last year I... I picked a word, you know, in my, my circles, my, my friends, my, my pastor friends especially, we pick different words to live by. Last year I picked the word abide. That was what God was dealing with my heart, and abide was where I needed to be. He was preparing me for being the pastor here, and so abide was my word. This year, I started to think about this word, and God gave me a word several months ago that would apply to 2019, and I believe that it was, it was to apply to my life, but I also believe that it was to apply to this church. And the word is remarkable. And I believe that word will carry us into the future. Remarkable is a word that has helped shape me 
See, because we serve a mighty God. We serve a remarkable God. And I believe that He has called us to be a remarkable people. Oliver Wendell Holmes once said this. He said, nothing is as commonplace as to wish to be remarkable. It's commonplace. People want to be remarkable. They desire to be remarkable. We don't wake up in the morning and think that we just want to be a nobody. You don't, you know, are born and you, you have desires to just, just fit in. No, everybody, I believe, wants to be remarkable. And if you disagree with me, I'd love to just sit down and, and, and talk to you about that because I believe that deep down inside, your desire is to be significant, not to be a nobody. A few years ago, I read a book. It's called Good to Great. It was a book that helped shape a bunch of businesses. It's actually a business book, and I think that we can learn a lot from business communities and leaders. And uh, it helped shape churches and, and pastors and leaders to go from good, you know, like good, you know, pretty decent, pretty decent business or pretty decent church or pretty decent event and go to great but for me i believe that it's even going even a step beyond that i believe god wants to take us not just from good to great but also to remarkable because we serve a remarkable god amen and if he is a remarkable god then he is calling us we are the called out ones and therefore we are to be a remarkable people a remarkable people, a remarkable church. Remarkable means this, exponential, exceptional, outstanding, uncommon, worthy of attention. Do you know what is remarkable in your life? There's a question I think that will help answer that for you. And it's this. I can't imagine my life without blank in my life. Whatever you fill in that blank will determine what is remarkable in your life. Whatever, I, whatever you put in there would be remarkable. I can't imagine my life without blank in my life. For me, it's my family. It's my, it's my wife. My wife, Hannah. My kids. And I know you're probably thinking... Man, he all the time talking about his family, all the time talking about his wife, all the time talking about his kids. They mean so much to me. And get, hey, get this. I am going to continue to talk about my family because, listen, I have five kids. And with five kids in the house, I'm going to have uh, illustration after illustration. <laughs> so I talk about my kids and my family and my wife a lot. Because they're remarkable in my life. You know, I have this right here. This, uh, this is a phone that, and it's a, it's a great phone by a great company. Actually, a remarkable company. A remarkable brand. And that is an Apple. 
an Apple computer. Whenever I was uh, in college, uh, I was going off to college, and you know, growing up, I only had a personal PC computer, a desktop computer, and uh, so whenever I was going off to college, my parents wanted to give me something to to go off to college with because I'd have to type my own papers and and things like that. And so, okay, all right, they got me a Dell. So I'm I'm excited. So 2004, uh, whenever I went to to Southern Wesleyan University, went 2004 down there um, with my Dell computer. It literally lasted about a year, and it crashed. And I lost documents and papers and significant things. And so Dell, to me, I think is Dell is from hell. <laughs> Uh, I'm not a big fan of Dell. You know, you might love Dell. That's fine, but for me, it, it, you know, that made an impression on my life, and so it changed me. And so I was like, you know, Apple computers. I have friends that had Apple computers, and yes, there was a little bit of a learning curve for me, but and it's a little bit more expensive. But I knew that they would last them for a long time, and so I wanted to make sure that I had a computer that would last and be be where I need to be. You know, and help me. To, uh, to be creative and things like that. And so I went and I invested my money into a new computer. And I got an Apple computer. And I fell in love. I loved the product. It just functioned and communicated just great. Then things like the iPod came on the scene. And I got that you know, for music and downloaded music and listened to the music on the go. And not having to have a CD player. And it was great. And then I decided to go from a flip phone to an iPhone that revolutionized the world and is continuing to revolutionize the way that we communicate. I couldn't imagine, you know, years ago that uh, there would be people that would be willing to spend $1,000 on a phone. But here we are today where Apple products... People are spending thousands and thousands of dollars on these devices because it's a remarkable company that is creative. For you, you might have other businesses, maybe people in your life that are remarkable. You know, I know one I've seen, everybody loves coffee. Well, I would say everybody, majority of people love coffee. I've seen you drink your coffee. Coffee is remarkable. You know, I love Starbucks. I love to go to local coffee shops. I love coffee. Growing up, I couldn't imagine I would even love coffee. And even saying that would just be uh, wild uh, in my imagination. But I love coffee. The world loves coffee. I mean, Starbucks is growing. It's a remarkable brand. The reality is, is that we're willing to pay four to five bucks for a, a cup of coffee. And some of you, you're thinking, what in the world? I wouldn't pay that much. The world is willing to pay that because they're it's a, connected to a remarkable brand and that makes remarkable coffee, but also re- provides a remarkable environment. The reality is, is that we're willing to pay that much. And uh, I looked it up. The stat says that if we actually spent the same amount on coffee as we would on gas, if we would have run, run our cars off of coffee instead of gas, it would uh, be about $16 a gallon that we would run our cars off of coffee. It's a lot of money, right? 
It's remarkable. God wants me. God wants you. God wants this church to be remarkable because He is remarkable. God is remarkable. But the only way we can make that happen, for that to happen in our lives, is for us to be willing to be different. We can't just go with the flow. We can't just be common. We have to be uncommon. Don't just do like everybody else is doing. As a person, in your jobs, in your family, as a church, we can't just be common. We can't just be uh, you know, the norm. For us, we have to be remarkable because we serve a God who is remarkable. And if we serve a God who is remarkable, why would we expect Him to think any different of us? He wants us to be significant. And the reality is, is that we are celebrating a, a God who we are still talking about through He sent His Son to die on a cross for us. He sent a Son to show us how to live. He sent a Son who conquered death and was resurrected and we experienced life and life to the full because He's remarkable. And He then commissioned a, 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 an ordinary people to go out and do extraordinary things. He called them the church, the called out ones. And they became remarkable in the, what they did because they were serving a remarkable God. And the remarkable thing is, is that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about God. We're still talking about Jesus. We're still talking about the group that went and followed Him and started planting churches all across the region and all across the world. So what is normal? What is common? It's boring. It's average. It's safe. It's regular. It's familiar. It's predictable. It's comfortable. What it will never be, what, what normal, what common will never be is this. Amazing. None of that will ever be amazing. None of that will ever be remarkable because the things that are remarkable in our lives, the events, the people, the significant things in our life that are remarkable are that, that, that they go against the grain. They go against the norm. So what I've learned from the years of, of being a pastor, years of working with the public... Is it this? Remarkable people plus a remarkable culture. A culture is what, what shapes us, what, what we, uh, you know, the values, our mission, our purpose, our culture. Remarkable culture gets remarkable results. So, remarkable people plus a remarkable culture gets remarkable results. doesn't matter what maybe it's business church event remarkable people plus a remarkable culture gets remarkable results so you're thinking how how does that happen how do you become a remarkable person it's being connected to a remarkable god proverbs 22 verse 1 says this a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. 
and loving favor rather than silver and gold. If you want to be remarkable, you have to have a remarkable name. Your name is more important. See, I grew up when, when names were significant. When I walked into a room, when I was connected to going into somewhere and connected to a group of people, when I said my name, it meant something. I valued what people thought of my name and my family. Same goes with my wife when the day walks, when we walk, the, the day walk connection, that name is significant. It means something. You know, maybe that's changed. Maybe culture is changing. The world's changing and significance of name is not important, but I think that it truly should be. See, to God it matters. See, because whenever we start to become born again believers, believing you know, and following the way of Jesus Christ and having covenant relationship with the Father, we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are now born and bought and adopted into the family of God. And we are given new names. We are now child of God. We are son of God, daughter of God. And so with that name, it brings about significance. We are attached to a remarkable name because we are attached to God's name. We are now His family. And so wherever we go, it's important to live out that name. Truett Cathy, the president and founder of Chick-fil-A, which I've talked about him before, but you know, he's a man that was remarkable. He had an impact on my life. I, I worked for Chick-fil-A for seven years and were able, was able to share the Chick-fil-A story uh, hundreds and hundreds of times. And I remember sharing a lot about Truett's story. And there's a part of the story that's around the 80s and 90s. You know, after Truett founded... You know, and started at the Dwarf House, and it grew, and he founded the, and, and, you know, invented the chicken sandwich, and then gave birth to Chick-fil-A. It began to grow, and, uh, you know, have some significance, and starting new in stores, and, and other companies and competition were growing. And in the 80s, it was significant, in the 90s, you know, there was competition that was growing, and chicken prices was going up, and uh, competitors were out doing things and Chick-fil-A was having to, you know, compete for the market. That's, that's business. But then um, there was a company called Boston Market. Some of you may be familiar with that. Boston Market was a popular brand back then, a popular restaurant. So it, uh, it was growing. But it took off. They decided to, they had investors and they decided to go into public trade and allow other people to invest. And so that was happening and they were growing and their, their goal and their, their mission was by the year 2000 to reach $1 billion in annual sales. Back then that was a lot. You know, that was a big ambition for a, a growing restaurant business. And company. 
And Truett was uh, getting all this feedback from people outside of the company trying to invest in Chick-fil-A. The, the family members were trying to see what they needed to do. And, and the board of directors, you know, uh, as the leadership was coming together, like, we got to do this, we got to do that, we have to invest, we got to do this, because we have to grow. <coughs> and I remember there was one point in the conversation where Truett slams down his fist said i've heard enough we won't sell we're not going to do that because we will not give in to the riches we will live out our values around that time they were also talking about a purpose what is their purpose the purpose that was birthed out of that was to honor God by being a faithful steward that all that was entrusted to them and to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. Still to this day, that is the corporate purpose of Chick-fil-A. You go to home office in Atlanta, Georgia, you go out and you, right before you go into the doors, it's in stone. It reads, that is the purpose. And Truett knew that that was what they were about. So he said, we're not giving in. We're not doing that for the money. That's not how we're going to grow this business. Because when we do that, we will sacrifice the product, the quality of the product, which was so important to Truett. And Truett lived out this verse. He says, it's better for a good name rather than great riches. It's better to live out your, uh, your integrity. It's better to live out your values than to give in to the riches. Because Truett knew that he'd have to sacrifice control of the brand, control of the product. Who knows, they might not even have, have closed on Sundays anymore if that would have happened. Who knows? Anything could have happened. But what I do know that happened was the year 2000 hit Boston Market had to declare a B word bankruptcy. They closed down. They stopped. They ceased to exist. In that same year though Chick-fil-A hit 1 billion dollars in annual sales. That's remarkable. That's not just giving in to the world. That's living out your values. That is being connected to a name rather than just going after the riches. That's what drove uh, Chick-fil-A. That's what continues to drive Chick-fil-A. Truett was a man of integrity, a man of his word, a man of great name. And Chick-fil-A is still continuing to set the bar in the industry. They're continuing to grow. I remember whenever I started seven years ago at Chick-fil-A, we were about a $3 million company. And I reached out to my boss, and I asked, you know, how, how things are going. I asked if he wanted a car this year, because the thing is, if you have a certain amount of increase of, of last year's sales to an increase to this year's sale, then uh, the opportunity is for an operator to win a car. And we did that during my time there. 
and my boss is actually uh, my boss uh, Bo uh, had actually won two cars before from Chick Fil A. I said, How, "How's it going?" This year, they ended up finishing with six point five million dollars in annual sales. Chick Fil A as a whole continues to grow. I think. They're expected to be nine to ten billion dollars in annual sales. It's a significant company. It's a remarkable company. Many business people set aside their character to search for great riches. Many families set aside their character in search of material possessions. Pastors, many pastors set aside their own character in search of fame and fortune. There's more to life than just riches. There's more to life than just the mighty dollar. Now, I'm not saying that the dollar is bad. I'm not saying that money is bad because reality is you can do great things with money. You can do great things with riches. You can. But the love of it is the root of all evil, it says in Scripture. And I don't think we're to sacrifice our name our integrity, our character to pursue anything of this world. You've all seen an iceberg before. This iceberg here it shows you know, what it looks like. A lot of times, we, if you're on the water, you see an iceberg. It's only a little small portion that you see. They say it's about 10% of an iceberg that is actually above the water line. But below the water line is about 90% of an iceberg. We know what icebergs can do if you don't see them properly. If you think it's just small, <laughs> you hit it, it's going to do significant damage to a boat. We, we know about that because we know of a significant story, which is the Titanic which an iceberg took down the Titanic. But see, it wasn't necessarily the 10% that took it down. It was the 90% that was underneath the water that did such a significant damage. And see, that is so true. Because in life, this iceberg represents us. See, 10% of you is what people see. Your skills, your knowledge... But the thing is, deep down, it's the 90% that defines you because that is your character. What you are when nobody is looking, how you treat people, what your thought life's about, what is deep down inside your heart. See, true, Kathy understood that. What is your character like? What does that 90% look down deep within you? See, remarkable looks like this. In John 13, Jesus and the disciples were, were having dinner. They're at supper together, the Passover meal. And Jesus gets up from the table, takes off his outer clothes and wraps himself with a, with a towel Bends down and, and starts to fill the basin water up. And, and, and then bends down and washes the disciples' feet. 
And Peter, you know, Peter's having this conversation with Jesus like, why are you doing this? You don't need to wash my feet, I need to wash yours. And Jesus is like, no, I need to do this. And Peter's like, well, if you're going to do that, then wash my whole body. And Jesus bends down and shows them what it is like to wash people's feet, to serve other people. See, remarkable people serve others. Jesus himself in John 10, 45 says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus modeled that before his disciples as he, as he bent down and washed the feet of the, of, G, of, of the disciples. And then he goes and says, you go and you wash each other's feet. We're to serve one another. We're to love one another. The world uh, says in Scripture that the world should know us, that we are Christians by the way that we love one another, the way we serve one another, the way we serve the world. And we do that by having remarkable humility. Humbling ourselves. Jesus knew what that was like, to humble himself. To, to the point of becoming a servant. Not going, going even further than that. Showing the disciples how to live, but also being willing to humble himself even to the death. Death on the cross. But he conquered death. He saved us from our sins. He conquered death. He rose from the dead. Rose from that grave. And now we have resurrection life because of Him. He knows humility. God was remarkable because He served well. He shows us how to serve, how to love, how to show humility to one another, how to show humility to this world. You know, I was thinking this week, like, what would that be? And, and, you know, we don't really wash people's feet anymore. But that was what they did. That was a, a custom in that culture because, you know, they walk around, their, their feet would be muddy and dusty because of the way that they traveled. But for us, we wouldn't really do that. But I thought of a, a more modern illustration, and that is this. When, you know, about, I'd say, 50 years ago, you go to a street corner and there would be a bench um, and a lot of times you would see a man sitting there. And he was getting his shoes shined by someone that would got paid to shine shoes. You know, we used to wear boots, nicer dress shoes. And so you would frequently have to get them polished if jesus was here today he would be down on his knees showing people how to shine shoes are you willing to do that are you willing to be a servant because if you want to be remarkable, you need to be attached to the remarkable name of Jesus Christ. If you want to be remarkable, then you need to be willing to be humble like He was humble. Proverbs 14 verse 4 says this, Where no oxen are, the stable is clean. 
but much increase is by the strength of the ox. Basically, in other words, if you want to enjoy the increase of an ox, then you're going to have to be prepared to shovel manure. You're going to have to be prepared to get dirty. If you want to feed people, and there's hungry people in this world, if you want to be, feed people, then you've got to be willing to do the dishes. If you want to have increase and see an increase of results in the church, then you've got to be willing to serve <coughs> and not just be served. Amen. Scott's going to come and he's going to play a song for us. And I don't know about you, but I want this church to be remarkable. I want to be a remarkable pastor who serves people well. I want everyone here to be remarkable in their jobs. I want you to be remarkable in your families as a parent, as a child. As a grandchild, as a grandmother or father. God doesn't want you to be me mediocre. He doesn't want you to just go through the motions. He doesn't want you just to go with the current way of the world. He wants you to go against the grain. And so as, as Scott plays, he's going to be playing and singing and leading us in a song called I Surrender All. This altar is open. If what I've been saying to you this morning has been speaking to your heart, I pray you come. For I don't think that we're supposed to be a mediocre church. I think we're to be a remarkable church. And I don't care what side of the aisle you sit on. I don't care what party you are a part of, whether you're Republican or Democrat, whether you're liberal or conservative. What matters the most is that you are connected to a remarkable God who has a remarkable name, who has a wonderful name, a powerful name. It doesn't matter what the, the world defines you as. Actually, to be honest, that's empire. The church has been defined by empire far too long because we don't need to be defined by empire. We need to be defined by the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is so much bigger than empire. And guess what? The reality is, is that throughout history we know that empires rise and they fall. But the kingdom of God is sustained. And the reality is this, is that we're not building the church. Jesus Christ is building the church. We ain't building anything. Jesus is the one that's the remarkable builder. We follow him. Actually, you've heard it said that we're supposed to build the kingdom. We're not building the kingdom. Jesus didn't come and say to build the kingdom. No, we're to walk in the kingdom. Walk in the way. He said the kingdom of God is at hand. Enter in. And so... Today, do you want to be a remarkable person? Well, then you got to be connected to the remarkable God who loves you, who offers grace, who offers mercy to you. And guys, if you want to be a remarkable church, then you got to be willing to be serving, servants. So as he sings, may you come.